Timing this recording absolutely perfectly. Welcome to Hamlet Pot. to episode 478 of Hand of Pod. Uh, we just started recording and one of Dan's neighbours started hitting something very hard indeed, or at least very noisily indeed, with a hammer. So we're hoping that he or she is not going to continue doing that. Um, but who knows? We They've gone quiet say. since I switched the microphone on again. So it's maybe all about the fun of recording Hand of Pod. Yes. Maybe know, we actually did uh, time this perfectly. Um, I'm Sam and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello, welcome. And Dan. Hello. For our final recording of the year. Uh, Chris unfortunately couldn't make it this week. Uh, very late notice that we're recording on a Tuesday due to circumstances here at the studio, mm. aka Dan's house. Um, but yeah, it's the final episode of 2023. So what have we got for you? Well, what we've got is a review of the closing stages of the Copa de la Liga Profesional, the semis and the final, because the semis, of course, were played after we last recorded the main episode two weeks ago, and the final of the Copa Argentina, as well as some other stuff. So what's happened? Well, the semi-finals both ended in of the Copa de la Liga, both ended in draws. Godoy Cruz won, Platense won, and River nil, Rosario Central nil. Uh, Platense and Central won on penalties in those. And then met, of course, in the final, which was won 1-0 on Saturday evening, wasn't it? Um, by Rosario Central. The only goal of the game came five minutes before the break and was, I think it's fair to say, it was a goal worthy of winning any football tournament in the world. It was a peach, yeah. Absolute peach. Maradonian, you mm. could even say. Indeed, yeah. From Maxi Lovera. Um, so, I think played in Racing yes. and was absolute show. Um Hmm. So, well done. Unlike so many other players who played in Strikers in particular, um, just so many who've come in. I yeah. mean, there's some players. Paulo Guerrero, another one who just won his second title of the year after bombing out at Racing. It's definitely, you know, starting to feel like it's not, it's, uh, it's not you, it's me kind of thing when it comes to Racing. Indeed, yeah. Um, I'm trying to just quickly look up goal, Andres, you carry on. Yeah, I, I think there are certain players who are comfortable in some determinate team. In the case, in this case, it's, well, Lovera is from Rosario Central, and then he left, but it, clearly he's comfortable there. And I recall, for example, Mar- Marco Ruben, another great striker, but who shined only there. Then he went to River and played in Spain also, you think, in, mm. uh, I, I don't know whether it was Malaga or... or uh, perhaps not the biggest teams in Spain, but uh, it was in, in Spain. And like Lovera at Racing, he could do, anything, could do, could do nothing. And uh, but at Central it was great, so it's quite similar case. Yes, it was only two years ago. Villarreal, Marco Rubio, oh, played and Recreativo yes. de Huelva, the oldest club in Spain. And then Dynamo Kiev, Evian, Tigres. And Atletico Paranaense most, most recently. Would you like to know Loveda's record in Racing? Go on. In all competitions? 36 games, zero goals. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Central's first top-level Argentine trophy since the 2018 Copa Argentina. So they're certainly doing well in knockout contests relative to their previous levels of success. Mm-hmm. Um in recent years, so congratulations. Well, I believe they're still the winningest team of the interior, right? Uh, in knockouts or overall? Overall. I'm not sure. I've just got their Wikipedia page up here. Mm. But actually, that might mention it. Might I think For Platense, it was the first final ever, so it will have been also the first title ever. Yes. What do you say, Andres? Central News, who has more titles, national, like national titles? Got to be Central, right? Yes, I think yeah. it. Central are the only 
The only one of the current Santa Fe province teams, which implies that there are other teams who used to be based in Santa Fe province and now aren't, um, this is the English language Wikipedia, to have won an international title organised by Conmebol, the 1995 Copa Conmebol. Yes. Yeah, because Newell's reached only Bertadores final, didn't they, but they didn't win it. No. Um, and other than that, it doesn't say most successful club in the interior anywhere. But anyway, <laughs> how was the match itself? How, how, the semis, just to go back to them, were not exactly thrilling either of them. Mm, no, River Central, River Central had its moments. I mean, you could see at least there were two than, good teams who. Um, yeah, it was, it was a better match a lot than, respect for each other. than nil nil suggested. Um, but they couldn't really, neither of them could sort of find any clear enough yes. opportunities. Central did a very good job of just sitting back, trying to contain, got a bit more adventurous in the second half, and yeah, mm -hmm. took the penalty as well. Absolutely. Um, Platense got a cruz, right? Yeah. Uh, a crazy shootout. Uh, it was. Like, oh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah the shootout was brilliant. Um, the game, less so. Hmm. Yeah, both goals in that one came in the first half, about 10 minutes apart, and most of the rest of the game was not really very much to write home about. Mm. Uh, but of course, it does mean that Martin Palermo. Um, didn't get into the Copa Libertadores with Platense prior to no. leaving for Boca Juniors and in fact now won't be leaving for Boca Juniors for reasons that we'll get onto later in the podcast. So he gets to keep his job in Platense and does this no. feel a little bit like the uh, like we were joking about a couple of weeks ago where he's now got to go like, oh sorry guys, did I say, <laughs> just forget all that stuff I said. Uh, I, I really want to be here. But you're saying no, but he's no, uh, leaving he, anyway. He got left, yes. Ah, okay. So, and he, in fact, he said that he doesn't know what he will do. It's not that he has. Uh, it was link, He was linked with Vélez uh, and Tacheres, but nothing serious so far. So it's from yes, to, from possibility to qualify Copa Libertadores or even be the coach of Boca. Uh, whether one of the candidates will have won the elections at Boca, uh, to nothing of, of, of those options. Indeed, yeah. Um, so we'll wait and see for both Martin Palermo and for Platense who you know let's not forget we, they kind of got overshadowed a little bit a couple of weeks ago in our discussion about what Palermo was doing but Platense have had a really good campaign year right I can't remember how they did in the league uh, not let me just remind great myself. I think they came into this Copa de la Liga in a little bit of relegation trouble like they needed a solid um, oh, they were mid campaign to to get themselves out of it, but yeah. they absolutely did, yeah. Mid-table in the league, 17th, yeah. but then final of the Copa de la Liga. Not bad, not bad, yeah. Good going. Um, oh, also, some just admin stuff. Am I right in saying that this year's Copa de la Liga was not counted as a league title for the, by the AFA? I believe it was they a Copa. did do last year, didn't they? But then this year it was, no, this is going to be a National Cup again. <laughs> so um, River, as a result, still... Uh, the reigning champions of Argentina they haven't been taken over by Central but there is another match coming up which we're not going to be covering because we're not going to record in Christmas week um, and that is on I think Friday night Friday night between River and Central for the Trofeo de Campeones Ooh. a competition that you might remember if I'm not going to get mixed up with the other one from last year uh, when we had that ridiculous Racing Boca game that finished with like 17 Boca players getting sent off in stoppage time. Great fun, great um, fun. So fingers crossed for a repeat of that drama, and this mm. time I'll actually get to watch it, because last time was when we were driving down to uh, Sierra Nevada in the beginning of this year? Or was that two years ago? can't remember. Uh, no, no about this time last year. December 2022, yeah. Earlier in the month, but yeah. And then there was another one in... January, but in Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi or one of them places. No, Between Racing and Boca In this case, we will play the similar, in the same venue as the final of the Copa de la Liga, the Madre Ciudad Stadium, which had a quite poor condition in terms of the pitch. But they will play there anyway. Mm. And Rosario Central fans, or some of the Rosario Central supporters, were treated not very well by police of Santiago del Estero also. But yeah, hookers. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Names that stand out from this victorious Central title run. Jorge Brown has to be... I mean, certainly in both the semi and the final, he had some big interventions in goal. Mm, absolutely. Um, 
he came up with some big saves when they needed him. Uh, I guess the other name that really does jump out just on the team sheet, I'm, I'm guessing for people who might be looking at the eleven without really having seen any of the matches, is Thomas O'Connell, who we've not mentioned somehow yet on this podcast, in spite of having, um, shall we say, not the most Argentine name in the whole of Argentine football. Yes. Uh, is he a friend of the Macalister brothers, or is there some other reason he's called that? Do we know? Why would he be a friend? <laughs> what would his friendships have to do with his it's, surname? It's a vaguely Bernard-sounding name, isn't it? Anyway, it has been the, the, one of the revelations of, of, of the team. Mm. Uh, mm. Perhaps in yeah, they're very good final. Like really ran the midfield. A uh, lot of lot of class there um, for a nineteen-year-old. Is he going to be one of the next big things? Do we think? Or? He's definitely looking looking solid. Yeah. Um, you know, Central have had brilliant luck in luck, brilliant success, I guess would be mm-hmm. fairer, in recent years with their young kids, Facundo Bonanote, Alejo Velis, um, no, Gino Infantino, am I yes. that right? Yes. That one, uh, you know. Gianni is the other one. Yes. Uh, and Alcona seems to be cut from. From the same word, um, we should also mention that since we're going through, you know, the stars of the show for Central, uh, Hamilton Campas, mm. who is a little bit older and obviously didn't come up in their youth system. He came um, from Colombia, where he is from, but I think he's only 22, 23, and I don't know how much. 23, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure how much they'd have of his contract or if he's alone, you know, all of this gets very very messy uh, when you're talking about Argentine players at at some point but definitely a big future like um, Sofa score seems to think he's on loan from Gremio until the 31st of December but um, it might well be a part ownership or something I don't yes. know so always get that right uh, but yeah I was going to say he didn't have the best final I didn't think but he was certainly key no it came close in the second final. half to scoring the second golazo of the game oh, there's yes, a couple yeah. there's about two or three or Possibly even four central moves. Uh, the first of which you know end up in a goal, and the others came in the second half. Just absolutely beautiful football. Um, they can really knock it around when they try. Mm. All credit to Miguel Angel Russo, who has just done such a good job this year. I don't know if he'll be staying on, but beyond two thousand twenty-three, you know, he's approaching his seventies. He looks fucked all the time, to be to be brutally honest. But you know. He's shown that after that decent but a little bit disappointing spell at Boca 2020, you know, really difficult time to be in charge, of course, with the pandemic and all that. He still knows his way around the full pitch, I guess. We um, seems to have really been like a final figure to the young lads. We have that enormous pressure, which that means being the coach of Boca, mm. he's he proved he he still well can can build. Great teams with mm. well Brown in the in the goal in the goal Quintana's one of the great defenders O'Connor and Malcorra in the middle and well with Campas in the, in the left also so yes a, a great team and I think deserved title yes. yeah and Luca Martinez Dupuy I think is another player who kind of deserves a um, a shout out I mean relatively yeah. he's twenty three he was playing up front he missed some chances. Certainly in the final, he didn't really get as much of a sniff in the semi, um, so he didn't score in either of those matches. But generally through the season, he's kind of quietly, I thought, considering he's not as old as some mm. some strikers, he's not got quite the same experience under his belt. And obviously coming in replacing Ali Hobelli, so I yes. think the season in the first half of the year, um, he's certainly not he afraid did, to throw his weight it. about like big physical centre forward. Um, not the most refined player possibly, mm. but. Uh, doesn't mind the rough and tumble of Argentine football at all. Indeed. Um, moving over to the Copa Argentina. I've just tried to move back to the competitions page and my app decided to go to Which we watched with one eye, I believe, during our extra recording binge. Yeah. Yeah, so right, yeah, which yeah. gives me a chance to plug Hand of Pod Extra. If mm. you're wondering what on earth you're going to do without any fixes of Hand of Pod for the next month, uh, then you can get over to patreon.com slash handofpod, sign up there, because last week 
we all met up and recorded several episodes uh, that are going to be going... Well, one of them went online last week. We're recording one after this episode that's going to go online sometime this week. Uh, and then we recorded, I think it was three others that I have scheduled to go online uh, at the very end of this month, and then a couple in uh, January before we come back. So during the our summer, most of yours, winter break, uh, you'll still be getting some content. So get over to patreon.com slash handedpod and sign up for that. And indeed we did, as we were here last week, watch the Copa Argentina final. Well, watch, I mean, I was, me and Tony were facing away from the television, but uh, the other three of you. Um, watched it and how oh, convenient sense we have to talk yes. about it now it consisted of a 1-0 win for Estudiantes the goal coming almost inevitably I feel like from Guido Carricho having just talked about a centre forward who throws his weight around and doesn't score very many goals this is a centre forward who likes to throw his weight around and does score not a fair amount of goals of them but a decent number um, and in fact there's another a uh, little thing to add to this as well, which is that uh, just before we came to record here, Mariano Anduja, who was of course in the Estudiantes goal six days ago for this final, has announced his retirement from football. He was so young. Yes. Shocking. Yes, indeed he was. A I mean, mere spring it, chicken at the age of uh, 40. So. It did feel a bit like a last dance kind of thing for, for Estudiantes, kind of, from go- you know, going from Central for the young lads on the way. Mm. This was just... The old boys of Estudiantes, most of whom were still around way back in 2009 uh, when they won the Libertadores. Talking about Andujar, 40. Jose Sosa, 38. Uh, Carrillo came a little bit after, I think. Um, Federico Fernandez might have even been there in 2009 or the year after at 34. Uh, Mauro Bocelli off the bench at 38. Pablo Biatti at 34. Like, these are guys who've been around the Estudiantes for a long, long time. Um, the vieja guardia, like we say. The old guard, yes, absolutely. Um, so, I guess that's nice, you know. Don't know how many are planning to retire, like Andujar. Uh, I think Bosselli also... Bosselli must be retiring, surely. Yes. I don't know whether he confirmed it now, but uh, I remember an interview after, I think, the Estudiantes defeated Boca. So in finals of the Copa Argentina, where also Edu Garrido scored, mm-hmm. saying that he may retire after the, well, the, this title. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know now what, whether he confirmed it or not. Yeah, I wonder whether they're planning to play the, the Supercopa. Not that we have a date for the Supercopa yet, do we? I imagine. No, I think mm, I'm sure we don't. The uh, Abu Dhabi, the one which, which is playing at Abu Dhabi, or oh, is that where it's being played? I, I don't keep up with where. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if it's there, Mendoza, somewhere else. Although, incredibly, Andujar wasn't the oldest player on the pitch. No, he wasn't. And I was, just, <laughs> I was just noticing this because I was going to say, I really hope that somebody, if there is anybody else of a similar age, uh, doesn't retire over the summer because otherwise there's the possibility that we might be doing this podcast next year and that there might not be any players in the league who are older than me. Uh, but at it. the moment, I can still hold hold out some hope because Enrique Bologna, mm-hmm. and Duca wasn't even the oldest goalkeeper on the pitch. Yeah. Enrique Bologna is 41 and will be turning 42 in February. So please, Enrique, if you're listening to this, please don't <laughs> retire. I'm not ready to be older than literally all of the players we're talking about just yet. There might or might not be a couple of others who are still uh, born <laughs> before I was, but I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Um, but... Yeah, overall, I thought, I mean, based on the, the snatches that I saw when I was turning around while, while you lot were talking um, to watch, I thought Estudiantes kind of shaded it, but it looked like a pretty even match, right? In fact, the Vence Justicia, yeah. I think, looked like they were better in terms of the playing, uh, the building the plays and, and, and making the, the play, but the Estudiantes uh, was just uh, hit hard once and then and didn't give the they, they they didn't give the opportunity to the defensa to be deep enough to to work to be dangerous. Mm. Uh, but yes, I think that is how how historically Atlantis plays is like they don't insert, need to play nicely, but they are like hit you and that and this is it. Yes, indeed. Um, 
the other Copa Argentina news is that uh, it's not a tournament that ever hangs around, as we know. Mm. They are at least giving us the decency these days of waiting until one edition is over before they start to play the next one, <laughs> uh, which is not what they did. You know, back I think it's ten years old now, isn't it? Twenty thirteen was the first. Twenty twelve of the rebirth. A... Oh, okay. So Twenty twelve was the first one. I remember it was oh. uh, Boca Racing in San Juan, and I went. Of course, yeah, you were there. Um, so yeah, it's not what they used to do, but this year they they are they have done at least, and I think for the last couple of years, uh, they have already. And when I say already, I mean just earlier today, uh, done the draw for the thirty tooth of mm-hmm. final of the twenty twenty four Copa Argentina. There are only sixty four teams in it. I feel like there used to be a few more, but this year they've kind of announced that a bunch of the teams down in the very lowest divisions mm. don't get to join in. Right? They used to do a whole load of qualifying rounds for the the ones that lower teams, the and now it's based on league performance. Like, I mean, so. the top four teams from the Primera C or something like that again. That's a shame. Yeah, um, we're not going to read out all of them, but uh, the big five are playing. Uh, Boca will play Central Norte de Salta, one of the clubs whose stadiums I visited in Salta a couple of years ago. Couple of years ago, four years ago, before the pandemic. River will play Excursionistas, so that's a nice short trip for one of those clubs. Except that they will be playing in Cowboy, playing outside the country. Um, Racing will play San Martín de Bursaco. Independiente, they also have a a short trip. They'll be playing La Ferrer, uh, Peter Capusotto's favourite club. San Lorenzo will play Independiente de Chivilcoy. And the Copa Argentina holders, Estudiantes, will play Argentino de Monte Maíz. Never heard of it. What? That's what it says here. That's what Pagina Doce says, the sorteo says. Um, So, where on earth is Monte Maíz? Who can Google this more quickly? Uh, For the not Argentine. No, it's gimnasia, gimnasia, not. Uh... This says he, this page I'm looking at says gimnasia playing Centro Español, and the estudiantes are playing Argentino de Monte Maíz. Ah, estudiantes. But for those who are listening and uh, have never heard of Monte Maíz, Dan hasn't heard of it as you probably heard and that's relatively unusual but Andreas also pulled a funny face which uh, makes me think that this is a very very small place indeed let's have a look so they're from the Torneo Federal okay they got to the semi-finals and went out to Club Ciudad de Bolívar um, right. So I've managed to find that. It does seem like they are called Argentina de Montemayor. Yes, it's a it's a it's a, a city or a town in in Cordoba. Hmm. With the stadium is called Modesto Marrone. And uh, yes, really. First time I, I I hear it. Yeah. They're ninety eight years old. They've got a yeah. wow. They've been going for a while. There we go, you heard it here first. Apparently. For so. 13 and a bit years of this podcast, they've finally got the honour of. They play in Torneo Federal. Ah, is it really, is it, it exists still? Or? Yeah. Apparently it does. I yeah. think it's getting reorganised next year, possibly, but. Mm. Yeah, we'll be. We'll fill you in on that in January or. Well, more likely in like March or April when they decide what they're doing with the lower divisions. <laughs> After but, the season started, potentially. but. So they only went up to the Federella in 2022 which oh, wow. makes it a little bit more excusable that we've never heard of mm. yeah I'm guessing there's some sort of money now behind that not to, you know not to be too cynical but and their Clásico is the Clásico of Monte Maíz with Lambert 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 Club Atlético Lambert I see <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not really sure what to say to that. Do we know when the round of 64 is going to be? Of course not. Played? We don't have a date for it just yet, do we? <laughs> um, no, no, we don't. Uh, You're asking too much. There you go. That's what the 2024 Copa Argentina will look like, for, at least from the big five the holders' points of view when it kicks off. Um, yeah. Do we have any time, gents? I mean. On the pitch, I think we've covered 
the main stories since the last episode. Is there anything I'm, I'm forgetting? Was there any controversy, any big red cards or funny moments from any of the matches we've mentioned? Um, no, River missing all of their penalties was objectively oh, was, hilarious. Yeah, what was that, it, that four was out of four? Terrible shootout. Or uh, four out of five. River missed... Uh, let me just get the match up again. Um... Yes, all four of their penalties. Enzo Diaz, Agustin Paravecino, uh, Gonzalo Martinez, and Manuel Lanzini. Uh, there was one... No, there were two... Sorry, there were three saves. The first three were saved, and then Lanzini blasted his over the crossbar, mm. um, which, of course, was one of the reasons that I pulled out Jorge Brown, so to speak, um, as uh, one of the main contributors to Central's title run, because he did really... <laughs> Very, very impressive saving. I mean, the penalties were poor, but also to, to save three penalties in a row, even if they're poorly struck. Actually, sorry, it was the first two were, were poor, wasn't it? And that Gonzalo Martinez actually hit his really well, and Brown still managed to palm it around the post. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, in, far, in fact, it was the only penalty which you say, oh, he, he threw himself well, mm. guessed where the ball was going to, and, and, and saved it quite good, quite yeah. well. But in the case of Palacino and Sodias, they hit it to the middle. With no no speed, uh, quite announced both penalties. Yeah, and well, yes. Cini, uh, over the bar. Hmm. Indeed, yes, that was hilarious for people who were hoping River would lose. Um, and there was some controversy whether it was said that the Michelis didn't say anything about the he, the, the, the the ones who will, will take the penalties. Then it was said that he did uh, choose the players, but not the order in which they. They will uh, take them. So it's uh, <laughs> we don't know whether he finally said it, said that. Yes, you go and hit the penalty, take the penalty. Then you go and then you. Uh, so it's another doubt we have. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And then in the other match, obviously we mentioned at the time that it was a cracking penalty <coughs> shootout the previous evening. Uh, that was um, all square at two two after two kicks each, and then. Uh, Godoy Cruz missed both of their next two Platense missed one and scored one at which point Godoy Cruz scored the fifth and Platense missed their fifth to take it to sudden death and it went to one, two, three, four, five uh, kicks each into sudden death before Platense yeah, there, there were a, a lot of like match points mm. which, uh, in which if you scored you won and they were like uh, incredibly missed or well side but but incredibly, three or two or three times in which they had the opportunity to win, if, if they scored, they won. And yeah, and the ESPN cameramen kept flicking to pretty Platense fans who were clearly having a really bad time of it, like, mm. as cameramen across the world of football are wont to do. Indeed. Um, on that note, we're going to go away for a half-time break now. This is a... Well, hopefully it's going to be quite a short episode. And whenever I say that, we end up recording like a 50-minute second <laughs> half. Uh, but uh, we don't have the time to do that this evening. So fingers crossed this will continue to be a short episode. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk about some of the off-the-pitch stuff, including four club elections? Three club... At least three. Four, at least in Primera. There were more. Yeah. But, um, um, well, three and a half, since one of the teams has gone down. And of but... course, one that we've been previewing for quite some time and has finally happened... So, don't go away. mentioned before the break we've got several club elections uh, to discuss let's talk about the main attraction first and I was thinking that given I more than anything obviously given the identity of one of the parties um, going for president in this particular club election the Boca Juniors election that did eventually take place on Sunday might be the first time ever that people who don't support Boca, like the, the club having an election, actually gave a shit about who won mm. the presidential election. I think not just most Boca fans, but also probably most of the country were kind of hoping that Riquelme would win that election, right? And sure enough, 
he did, Juan Romandri Kelme, um, who would be an awful lot of uh, Boca Juniors fans pick for their club's greatest player ever, is now the president yes. of their club, uh, beating out Mauricio Macri. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I mean, what's his name, Ibarra? Andres Ibarra. Andres Ibarra. Uh, in the fact, he has already been the president, not in the title, mm. I mean, Patamial. I, I, I barely think him. Yeah, we can't know Yeah, he was, uh, the sem- uh, technically speaking, the yeah. vice president for the last four years, but of course he's now stepping up to the job that he has, as Andres says, if we're being completely honest, has held in the shadows, as it were. Uh, yeah, he kind of ran the whole football side hmm. um, in charge of their technical secretariat, I guess you could call it. So, what does this mean for Boca? Um, that they were continue to be a club, same, right? not uh, an, an company. Yeah. Not the first. I think everyone can just calm the fuck down now, which is good. Um, it got really, really silly, to be honest. Um, there was no need for it because it was obvious that no one was going to beat Regelman. Hmm. And, you know, what the opposition did in all this time we've been talking about it sort of makes sense now in a way because it's like... The only way they were going to beat Riquelme was by making sure no one could actually vote. Um, last week, I think we mentioned it, or we talked about it at least last week, we might not have said it on tape. Um, kind of there was a reversal of the original court ruling uh, last week, which allowed you know, Boca finally to go to the polls. Mm. Um, and probably all that changed was that in probably instead of losing 60-40, they ended up losing 65-34, I think it was in the end. Um, it was 65.3 to 34.4. Yes. Exactly. That uh, 0.3% is because of the some, some uh, votes that were observed or, or something. Yeah, like I think there were a couple of voting tables where apparently like the ballot box didn't get to the counting station in in decent order so they just decided to rule it out like yeah normal kind of stuff and i guess some people might have voted voted in blanco it'd yeah. be very weird to do so but, but to, to put people into, are like that to put this into perspective because obviously the percentages if you don't normally follow argentine club elections don't mean a hell of a lot mm. um and obviously bearing in mind that river and racing are the only other two clubs who've got a comparable number of paid up members to be voting in their elections anyway um Riquelme got a total of 30,318 votes, which, according to Teise, 12 hours ago, uh, makes him the most voted president in the history of Argentine football. And the second most in the history of football, apparently, behind Sandro Rossell of Barcelona. He slots him right between Rossell and Laporta. Uh-huh. Both Barcelona, of course. And both enormous successes. That well, Laporta <laughs> did all right. In his first term, at least. Mm. Um, no, and the magic number, at least, for Riquelme was 6,000, because that was the number of um, the supposed dodgy 13,000 socios, who were at, like the centre of all of the, the mess, who apparently, you know, made, made members in illicit ways. Mm. Um, so, kind of, as long as he... The difference between the two candidates uh, was higher than 6,000. You know, it kind of put the victory beyond any doubt and any possibility of going back to the courts challenging it, which I think we all can say was a possibility, knowing who was on the other side. Um, Yeah, as I say, now we can just all calm calm down and like look back and see, oh, yeah, it was just a football election. (laughs) Why... Would they waste so much political capital and so much time going after Riquelme when he's a god at Boca? Because they know what being Boca Juniors president can later lead to, and they don't want Juan Roman Riquelme to be the great Kirchnerist <laughs> figure who becomes president of Argentina in four years' time. Um, I mean, we can hope, maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't think Riquelme has any interest in that. He just. I think I he said after the, the vote, like. What do you think you're going to be doing at midnight? It's like eating an asylum. Hmm. Like, 
So that's just a regular it, night. It was wrong. At the it house. House. Well, he might have been right, actually, because but, but they announced the results at like two in the morning or something, and he had to come out and accept and be flooded with fans and everything. Um, he probably ate his asylum before. Like, he loved his asylum. Yeah. Uh, what that means for the club as a whole and for other divisions like the basketball team and whatnot, obviously, is beyond our remit. We won't tell you that. Um, indeed, we don't have a clue. Um, but what it means for the football team appears to be, if the Chiron on Dan's television screen ten minutes ago when we were on our break had a, uh, was correct, uh, that Diego Martinez, currently of Tigre, is... No, of Huracan, sorry, yeah, uh, from Tigre. Former well, Tigre, yes. Very linked with Tigre, but yeah, currently with Huracan, um, is going to be the next manager. Uh, I'm looking at the Tenise Sports website, which says that Diego Martinez dejó de ser el técnico de Huracan, has stopped being well, the Huracan coach. And the television, which is also tuned to Tenise, 10 minutes ago, <laughs> was saying that he's going to rescind his contract tomorrow. So, one of them... <laughs> at least, is lying, uh, because they can't both be true, but it might very well be, and it looks pretty simple, uh, to say that he will be taking over for Boca's pre-season, which begins apparently on the 26th of December. Um, I think it's a formality at this stage, yeah, yeah. just crossing the I's, dotting the... But obviously, the last crossing time... Crossing the I's and dotting the T's? As, yeah, as, I said, as I said just before I hit record again, the last time we were talking with this much, well, not exactly certainty, because we did hint that it might be bollocks, um, but this uh, this much in this much depth about who the new Boca Juniors manager would be, uh, it was because Tony Say were reporting very confidently that Gerardo Martino was going to be announced the following day, and then that did not happen. So you know we'll see. But Diego Martinez is a slightly more realistic name than Gerardo Martino, to be fair to them. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, which other clubs have had presidential elections in the last few days? San Lorenzo had this and it was won by one Marcelo Moretti who ran on the Boedo in Nacion ticket he won with hmm? opposition is, is the other way around to the Boca elections right it's a, it wasn't officially well yes he won with 36.7% over the kind of incumbent supported Sergio Constantino um, ending the Marcelo Canelli. You mean that was his margin of victory? Or he got 36.7%? He got 36.7%. And Constantino got 23%. Marcelo Culota got 28.5%. Uh-huh. And Cesar Francis got 10%. So who was um, Tinelli's man? Sorry, I interrupted uh, Constantino. I see. The, so he, in, he ended up in the third place. Hmm. If my... Mathematics wow. did not fail me. That's yes. a resounding opinion on the on the president who, well, vice president who gave them their first Copa Libertadores and rescued them from relegation and everything back in. Yeah, but not a surprise either. I think um, Tinelli and Matias Lamins, who came afterwards, uh, kind of mm. used up their their political capital in San Lorenzo. They've had a few rough years institutionally, um, which is a great thing. Like I'll never tire of saying it, you know. Obviously, Raquelme is back in quite emphatic form, but just shows, you know, if a team isn't administrated uh, decently, yeah. even, you know, with the inherent advantages any incumbent or incumbent kind of ticket has, uh, you can get them out. And that is something that a team, not looking at anyone in particular at the moment, Sam, with shit owners who control everything, yep. can't do much as much as they want to. No, First thing he said or, or wants to do as a president, uh, I, I can't tell it because it's related to River, he wants Agustin Palavecino and to keep Agustin Batalla, who is at, on loan from River, and in as a, like a shift between uh, River and, and San Lorenzo players, they, they will uh, give River Agustin Martegani, who is now at Salernitana but belongs to San Lorenzo, I think. I don't know whether River will be will be useful uh, another offensive midfielder because he's uh, <laughs> they're, they're quite even when the La Cruz is leaving apparently yeah um, but that is the first thing I heard from Moretti uh, who 
is interested in doing that. Mm. Yeah, uh, De La Cruz, uh, Nicolas De La Cruz looks like he's off to Flamengo, yes. uh, who appear to have made River an offer they can't refuse, or rather, an offer they're not allowed to refuse, because it's, 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 it's really reasonable. Uh, but we'll obviously talk more about if that ends up happening, um, and other deals, when we get back together, and mm. discussing who's been transferred and whatnot. Yes. Dan, please continue regaling us with news of the other presidential elections. Yes, the next one down the list is Tigre, and this was a, an incumbent or incumbent ticket win. Mm-hmm. Martin Suarez, who is the current vice president, won emphatically. Uh, he picked up 70% of the 2,300 votes cast in Tigre um, after 13 years without elections, apparently, in Tigre. I don't know if that's really? because yeah. I'll find out for you why in a minute. That's the entire history of this podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, there was an opposition win, meanwhile, in Colón, perhaps not particularly surprisingly. Victor Godano of Compromiso Sabalero took 50% of the votes. Um, obviously, Colón got relegated this year. They appealed it as we talked about in our WhatsApp group, if not on the, on the podcast, but I think they got short shrift. Um, and they will therefore be playing next year two teams that also had elections on Sunday. I'll go this, through this very quickly. Nuevo Chicago, where Juan Angel Tito Guerra uh, won with 42.7% of the Matadero's Giants votes. Mm-hmm. And then Deportivo Moron, Sam's real... Love, we all know. <laughs> Gabriel Mancilla won another term with 76.65% of the votes. So, congratulations, Mancilla. So, he's another time as president because yes. River has changed their statute in which there, were no, there will, won't be any re-election from, for any president. It will be only one, one time for any president. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Interesting. They're going to have to do some interesting shenanigans with moving people to vice president and yes, some, the vice some, president to president like that, yes. stuff if they want to carry on. Uh, I've just looking down the for why Tigre haven't had elections in so long. I find that Carlos Luna was one of the people in the opposing mm. camp. He was up for uh, sporting director uh, on the um, on the other guy's ticket in the Tigre. Um, Elections. I can tell you, Sam, there weren't elections in 2013, 2016, or 2019 because the opposition didn't bother to put up a candidate. Oh, wow, okay, so it wasn't. I mean, well, that may or may not be because they were getting threatened or something, but it, on the face of it, it wasn't a, an anti democratic thing, it was just that everybody loved. Apparently so. I mean, I do seem to remember that, that for the last 13 years it's basically been run by whoever, Sergio Massa who's the mayor of, or was for a long time at least, the mayor of Tigre. I mean, support um, does seem to be slipping, because in 2010, Rodrigo Molinas won with 90% of the vote. Wow. And now Suarez only got 76% of the vote. Yeah. So. Well, and there was an election, which suggests that at least some group of people actually thought, you know what, we're going to yes. stand for this. Um, <laughs> so and 14% of Tigre fans yeah. in the last 14 almost years have decided maybe... These guys aren't great. He's not and, the mayor and a very, of... And a very popular player who had played under, who had played in the, at the club mm. under the previous president decided to stand against him as well, which yes. I guess also... Yeah, it's interesting. I've watched this space. Go sure. on, Andres. As no. I said before, we will always celebrate votes and elections in any club because it is the way to go. Indeed. He's not the mayor of Tigre anymore, but I uh, talking about Massa and Riquelme, they are friends, and in fact, they are from the same place. I think uh, Riquelme lives in Antorquato, if I am not wrong, yeah. which is near to Tigre. And this uh, victory in the elections apparently will make him be part of the political party of, of Massa at the province of Buenos Aires. I don't know whether he wants to do that, but the, the power he will have apparently brings that. To, to, to him. Wow, okay, well. Um, did we have something else to talk about before we get on to Lister's questions? 
Um, what else is happening in the world of football? We have the Club World Cup, which doesn't involve oh. any Argentine teams, but it looks no, like... No, there is it, the reorganisation. Everybody knows, of course, about the reorganisation of the Club World Cup. was going to be happening from 2025 onwards, and it looks terrible. Yes. Um, one thing that I read about that yesterday was that apparently River needs something like... To win three matches of the Copa Libertadores 2024. Yeah, that's right. And to, to qualify for the second round yes. in order to cement their what? place, because it's going to be based on it's going to be based on the last four years' performance of the Copa Libertadores in like a points table. Right. So River have done well enough, even though they haven't won in the last four years. Yeah. That if they win three matches and get to the second round, uh, then they will be guaranteed a place in the 2025 Club World Cup. That sounds because stupid. It, nope. It's because over that time period, there's something like 18 or 19 points ahead of Peñarol, who are like fifth in the standings for Conmebol or something like right. that. Um, yeah, they, they won't take into account the Conmebol ranking, which is in which River is the first the, one. The winners of the Libertadores in each year, yeah, and then the next various clubs. So obviously, but, if, you, if you take out the teams who are above River in the table, a bunch of them are there, like Palmeiras and Flamengo especially are there because they've won the Libertadores. Yeah. But then if a different team other than Palmeiras, Flamengo and Fluminense win it next year, hmm. wouldn't it just be the four last winners? No, because they'd still just take one of the tops, one of the, one of the winners, but then you still, they've reserved a couple of places for the teams. But how many are there in total? I don't know. Huh? I, I don't care enough. enough. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. Um, no, the thing the is that they won't take into account the Conmebol ranking, but the FIFA ranking. And the, in the FIFA ranking, oh, okay. uh, Boca is uh, first and River second. Ah. Sounds stupid, I, 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 I hate it. it but Boca won't play Copa Libertadores and River will. Mm. That's why River could uh, be better than Boca because they will some okay. points. Well, well there, are, there are competing versions of why yes. River need to win three and qualify for the last 16. But either way, that's what they need to do. Um, and there's, there's also going to be a new Intercontinental Cup. They're bringing the Intercontinental Cup back and it's going to be almost exactly the same as the current Club World Cup. Yeah. Only they've made it a little bit crapper. Um, they are going to make the South American champions enter at the quarter-final stage, which, just for the record, I'm going to say, I'm going to put this out there now, I'm absolutely fine with that. They, since the current format was brought in, uh, South American teams have not done well enough at the semi-final stage. They've won most of them still, but they've lost a few too many to really justify being just put in at that stage, in my opinion, to be allowed to carry on doing so. So I'm fine with them being made to play quarter-finals. But... The bit that really has got me quite exercised is that the champions of Europe are just going to be put straight into the final. And if the whole tournament becomes basically a tournament to decide who gets the honour of playing the mighty European club, then it looks to me like it's just a bit of a... Like the occasional arguments you hear fans of big English clubs making about, oh, let's scrap the League Cup mm. because it's just one more tournament to play and we can't be bothered and fixture congestion. But like, if you're going to let literally just the richest club in the tournament... If you're going to... Let's remove any pretense at all that anybody else stands a chance of winning it and just say, yeah, everybody else is fighting for the honour to play them. If at this point the European club was like, yeah, well, we will play the, hmm. the Club World Cup, in this case the Intercontinental Cup, that feeling of the South American club being quite enthusiastic to play, and I have already played two matches in order to get to the final, yeah. it will be even more. And for the European club, it will be like, oh, we're one match only yeah. in the final. I think in a funny way, it could end up benefiting the South American um, side, at least in terms of the record in the semi-final, because it means they're not going to be going into the semi-final completely cold. Mm. And I think if they're playing the quarter-final, presumably it'll be against a slightly easier opponent, and they're still going to win most of them. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I'm skeptical and fingers As I said, crack. I have no argument at all against the South American team having to play the quarters, but I don't think the Europeans should be parachuted straight into the final. That just removes an enormous amount of the fun of a tournament that, that by and large, I think is, is pretty good as it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, on to Mr's questions. Tommy Buendia says, what was your biggest surprise of the past year in both competitions? I think Platense reaching the Copa de la Liga final would probably be. Probably the fact that the final, I mean, to, talking if we're looking, you know, back or forward, in any case, from January 2023, mm. if someone had said, oh yeah, 
you're going to end up at the end of the year with Rosario Central and Platense no, that's true, Central in the final. Have a good um, it might raise an eyebrow, except for me, because obviously I tipped Central to do well from the very start of this year, but I still would have been a little bit surprised. Um, what are, I think Colón getting relegated. It seemed like there were a lot of than Colón who not that long ago were Copa de la Liga champions. Uh, yeah, Americana finalists. I'm trying to remember, I couldn't really remember where Colón were in the in the standings, mm. but obviously a bunch of teams did quite well who were struggling at the beginning of the year, did quite well in the league, didn't they? So yeah. Colón found themselves, I guess, down there halfway through the year. Andres has already blurted his out because he couldn't uh, couldn't Leave it until Dana finished talking. But Andres, would you like to? Yes, no, I will. And I, I, I mean it. Boca not being able to qualify to the Copa Libertadores. I think that's fair, though. I, I think any, any time, given the setup of Argentine football and the intrinsic structural advantages they have, I think any time that either River or Boca fail to qualify for the Libertadores at the moment is a shock. Like obviously, you could have a year where they're, they're crap for a year. And then they're crap for another six months. You're like, yeah, they're in a rut. They're not going to qualify this year. And it's not a surprise. But this year, you know, Boca were in it last year. They reached the final. Didn't they? A year ago? They won it. Oh, they won the... Yeah, they reached the Libertadores final. They reached the final this year, sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, you know... Which has a lot to do. Let's let's be fair for a second. I know none of us particularly like Boca. But let's put all the facts out there. One has a fair bit to do with the other. That's true, yeah. the, The... they stuck they everything on the Libertadores with, I think, a less deep, kind of formidable squad than Boca have had in other mm. years. Um, you know, rounded out with a lot of kids, a lot of um, you know, less uh, less established players, because Boca generally have yeah, kind of two teams. And some relatively misfiring centres. And they were very close to having it pay off, you know, if they won the Libertadores, if Fabra wasn't an idiot. Um, could have all been different. Indeed. Uh, Liam Delaney says, sorry to be political, but can you explain this Boca and Millet loving? Uh, he's a socio. Much of a loving. Uh, yeah, he's a fan, basically. He's a socio. Mm. He uh, went and cast his vote for president before travelling to Bahia Blanca on Sunday to express a, a shockingly small amount of sympathy uh, for the 13 people who were killed and the various... Uh, lives that have been uprooted uh, by the enormous storm that passed across Buenos Aires province on the, the well in the really uh, no actually on in that far south it was on Saturday evening rather yes. than here, here in the middle of the night Look, there were stupid some stupid things he said like oh, obviously yes uh, <laughs> obviously stupid things. Um, but yeah basically he's a Boca socio I was a bit confused because I thought he'd been on record as saying that he used to be a Boca fan and then became a River fan because Boca became too populist because he doesn't like populism even though he's the definition of a populist politician yes he definitely um, did say that um, and that was still under Angelici weirdly yeah. enough um, yeah, but apparently he is still a Boca socio. He never let that slide, even though he now supports River, according to him. <laughs> In short, yeah. don't listen to anything he he's, says. He's, he's one of the founders of the Museo de la Pasión Boquense, in fact. Oh, well, there you go. Well, yes. Here we go. You're just giving me more reasons to dislike Boca. Many people would say that he only went to vote because he owed Macri a favour for supporting his presidential run of campaign. Which is made more amusing by the fact that Macri himself didn't did not <laughs> After making such a fuss, yeah. Mauricio Macri decided to fly to the Middle East instead of voting. Mm. I mean, presumably the flight was already booked, so he couldn't yeah, do much about he it, but to... it was still an amusing headline. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's really hard for Macri to, to yeah. reschedule flights at late night. He went well. to the Club World Cup, we were talking about that. Ways. Yes, He went to see, to watch, sorry. I think Fluminense... He's still that FIFA weird foundation president, right? Yes, possibly. Man with fingers in many pies. Indeed. David Novashevsky says, Nothing really, I just wanted to tell you all how much I enjoy the pod, and that hearing the clinking glasses while you record always puts me in the mood for a fennet. Merry Christmas to all of you and all of yours. Good, God willing, I'll make it down for a visit someday. We hope to meet you one day. Merry Christmas, Thank David. Merry Christmas. Uh, Lee Bartlett, I think... Either Lee wasn't listening to the previous episodes carefully enough, or he's just being cheeky, says, is Palermo going to Boca? No. <laughs> I, I think Andres has said it. I mean, he went to Boca technically on Sunday to vote. 
Yes, indeed. Um, Lawrence Hart says, is Costas the man, the right man to take Racing to another level? I think this is a question for Dan. I don't know. Um, there's so many ifs right now for Racing. Like, who's going to actually take over like their transfer policy? Who's leaving? Who's coming? Are they going to address the problems of which there are many in the squad? Um, all of those need to be fixed before you can even start talking about the coach. Um, I honestly don't know. Like Costas is a guy who is much admired and uh, respected about, around uh, Racing. He was one of their kind of figureheads in the rough eighties, um, where he kind of where he helped get him back up to the top division, and then. Played in the 1988 Supercoppa victory. It's uh, a kind of iconic player there. Uh, had a couple of kind of fireman coaching spells in the 90s as well and early 2000s with kind of very success, albeit you know, at a time where the club was on its last legs, really, institutionally. Um, he's won titles in four different countries. He's, in many senses, the, the Argentine or South American Jose Mourinho. Um, possibly, yeah, I guess with a similar style of play maybe. Um, and just not the horrific attitude. He seems mm. like a very nice guy. Um, I think he can get decent things out of players, otherwise he wouldn't have won that many titles. It's not an appointment which will, you know, drive you crazy, drive you giddy. But I hope he does well. Um, but in a large sense, it doesn't really depend on him. It depends yeah. on what happens around him. Indeed. Is there a... As we mentioned a few times already on this episode, institutional setup yes. matters. Who, who was the one who picked him? Because Capri is gone and there is a new sports secretary or. No. Uh, Blanco, I guess. Uh, but. That was, his arrival was being talked about even before Cabria left. So, uh, Lawrence also says, Feliz Navidad, by the way. So, thank you, Lawrence. And Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, um, asks a question that includes something that I, I think all of us have completely forgotten about, but clearly is something that Liam is particularly exercised about. It's almost 2024, and we're still waiting for the 2020 Trofeo de Campeones final to be played. Any ideas when? I'd completely forgotten about this. I've just looked it up because I, when I read the question while Dan was talking, I thought, oh, that was the River Boca one, wasn't it? Won't be and of course it is. Yeah. Uh, Boca Juniors won the Superliga Argentina 2019 to 2020, like a week before football shut down yes. due to the pandemic. Um, oh, sorry, they won the Copa de la Liga Profesional 2020, a week before football shut down due to the pandemic, but they were also the, the winners of the Superliga Argentina. And then River, runners up of one of those, played Banfield, runners-up of the other, to decide who would play Boca in the Campeón de Campeones, and, um, or the Trofeo de Campeones, I should say, uh, and River won that, and they still haven't played it. Uh, it was supposed to be played in, it says here, oh no, it doesn't actually, it says that it was announced that it was going to be played at some point in October 2022, uh, but no, Liam, we don't have any answer. It is very unusual, though, that the AFA have got a very legitimate excuse indeed to play a competitive River Boca and aren't doing so. Because as, as Jonathan Wilson once said on this podcast years and years ago, Argentine football seems to be built at times around getting River, River Juniors and Boca Plate the thing is, say that, so I may as well go for it, uh, to play each other as often as possible. And yet here we've got the AFA actually having a really legitimate excuse to do so and they're just like, yeah, we're... The thing is, they, I assume they will, they should play the match with both supporters of, from both teams, mm. right? Well, and either that or play it in North Korea or Saudi Arabia or somewhere, I mean, yeah. one of the two. You, you can't be telling yeah. me that there's not some Middle Eastern... Will be fresh money, in fact, for Rafa, but no. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they don't need it now they're finally getting paid for the World Cup prize. Yeah. Eventually, maybe, at some point. Anyway. Um, well, one of the uh, points for which it was said that 
Scaloni wasn't sure that he at, or he wanted uh, or wasn't sure to to continue as a coach was that the part of the staff wasn't hasn't received yeah. the, the payment. And that's because the AFA at the time, I don't know what they have since, but haven't been paid the prize money. Because apparently FIFA staggered the prize money payments and pay whoever, like the teams who go out in the group stage get their money first, the teams who go out in the round of 16 get their money and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. So the, the winning team are the last to get paid the prize money. Um, and in this case, it just so happens that the winning team are from the nation who can probably least afford to wait for a massive influx of dollars. <laughs> uh, but, you know, win some, lose some, I guess. And on balance, they'd probably much rather have won on the pitch and had to wait a bit longer. Um, and Liam also says, thoughts on the Copa Argentina draw? I mean, we'll go into it in a bit more detail, maybe closer to the time, but we've given you the basics. Dan's just going to take his washing in. And he Thank says, you for sharing. I was trying to be right. subtle, but... Uh, I just thought we'd lose the pretense that that yeah, wasn't going to be picked up on the mic. Indeed. Uh, and do you see Godoy Cruz making it to the Libertadores group phase? I have to admit that I'm, I'm trying to look up at the moment who they've got to play to get there. And I'm not seeing very much. Uh, they have... That's been, because Rosario Central has won the Copa de la Liga and has already been qualified and there is a spot. Yeah. So Godoy Cruz um, qualifies fifth. Yeah. Now they've got to play the first stage or second stage. They they've been drawn against Colo Colo. Uh, yes. Uh, in the playoff, which I think this is the uh, the first? second round. Ah, second round. Okay. Um, so they'll have to make it through two rounds of the playoff. Uh, they play the first leg of that in Santiago de Chile on the twenty eighth of February, and then we'll play. Or was it just one off? Ah, no, no, sorry, they'll play the second leg in Santiago de Chile on the 28th of February, having played the first leg in Mendoza on the 21st of February. Um, and then, obviously, we don't know who they'll play in the third round. Um, it's going to be an interesting challenge for them, I guess. On the one hand, I feel like the number of times that we've said, oh, this or that kind of middling Argentine team who've just had a good season are going to struggle in the Libertadores and then they end up nearly making it to the quarterfinal or something suggests that on balance Argentine club football is a level above most of the other leagues on the continent uh, on the other I don't just want to be arrogant and be like oh they're playing a Chilean side they'll get through easily um, it should be a good challenge for them I think that given the year they've had if they can carry it into next year if they can hang on to the right players and so forth they should at least get into the third round um, Very qualifying whether they get into the group stage then depends on who else they play obviously that's a very boring opinion to give you <laughs> uh, to give you some idea the other teams who are going straight in at the second round of qualifying are Portuguesa who play Palestino of Chile Portuguesa must be from Brazil I'm guessing yes. from the name oh no maybe not maybe yes yes yeah, yeah from uh, Botafogo have a bye they're going to be pl playing one of the teams uh, who are qualifying for the first round. Nacional of Uruguay also awaiting opponents still. Bragantino are playing Rio Negro Aguilas, a team who I know that Dan knows a bit about because they played Racing in the Sudamericana a few years ago, right? Or maybe okay. the Libertadores even. I can't remember. They've certainly been in the sort of last 32 or last 16 stage of the Sudamericana a couple of times mm. in recent years and I'm sure that one of those years they played Racing Sporting Cristal play Always Ready in a Peru-Bolivia cross-border clash Atletico Nacional don't know who they'll be playing yet in the second round and El Nacional of Ecuador are playing Trinidense of Paraguay I believe I was going to make a joke and say that they're from Trinidad and Tobago but unfortunately <laughs> Uh, Trinidadian sides are not allowed in the Copa Libertadores yet. You're quite right, Dan. They are from the barrio of Santissima Trinidad in Asuncion. There we are. Uh, and I've never heard of them before. Perhaps so. they will be soon as Trinidad and Tobago are, are at Copa America. Oh, yeah. Of course they are, yeah. We'll, we'll see how uh, deep that CONCACAF Comebol merger goes and whether it gets to club level. That could be interesting one day. But. You know, watch this space. Anyway, those are all the questions for this week. And there are no matches this weekend to tell you about for Mystic Sam. Dan, you were about to say something. It wasn't raining. Um, that was the sound of my the pipes from my half-finished second bathroom. 
Excellent. Good. As long as they're not spewing literal feces all over your back. Not today. Not today. Glad to hear it. Uh, look at this. I said we wanted a short episode, and the second half of the podcast has only been 36 minutes long. Go us. Great. Well done. So, on that sure. note, thank you very much indeed for listening to us for another uh, year. We hope that you've had a good 2023. We hope that your 2024 begins well. Uh, we hope that if you're celebrating anything at all over the next couple of weeks, that it goes well. Uh, apologies to those of you who's, who normally celebrate Hanukkah, that I didn't say Happy Hanukkah this year. I've just looked up the date and realised I missed it. That shows you how much my girlfriend <laughs> observes uh, Judaism. Um, and if there are any other holidays that I've forgotten about uh, for the rest of you, then I hope they were or are good ones. In the meantime, thank you very much indeed for listening, and we'll see you in 2024 from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. Dan. Goodbye. And me. Thank you. And goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>